The New Testament reading is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Jerusalem and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Many thanks, Renita. Morning, everybody. Great to see you. My name's Ken Matthews, and I'm the minister here at St. Joseph's. And I just want to wish you a very happy Christmas and ask you, have you got your Christmas decorations up yet? Well, of course you have. Not just because it's only five days till Christmas, but because you probably put them back up in November. Um, and if you didn't, then I suspect that you're probably in the minority there. It seems to me, no, no sooner was Halloween over, was down came the, the, but down came the skeletons and the ghosts, and up went the fairy lights and the Christmas trees and the tinsel. And it was hard not to get sucked in. My wife, um, uh, who's, who's here today with our kids, she, 
she and I, we usually hold the children back um, till at least the first weekend in December from putting up the Christmas tree. But this year, it was up, back end of November. Uh, and all of a sudden, fairy lights started appearing on the banisters and on pot plants and mirrors and the gingerbread house in the, um, in the hall. And, um, and we even started throwing them up uh, on the fence and the bushes in the front garden. And it's no wonder, though, that we're going a bit crazy uh, for a bit of extra Christmas bling this year. Because if ever there was a year in which we need a little bit more light in our lives, it's this year, isn't it? We've had so little to look forward to that the annual bright spot of Christmas looms a little bit larger on our horizon. And I don't know if you noticed in that Bible reading we had there from Matthew's Gospel that that first Christmas it was also full of anticipation and expectation those wise men they traveled not like some do their Christmas shopping uh, just lurching from shop to shop I wonder what kind of shopper you are some just lurch from shop to shop just hoping that they are going to land on the perfect gift whereas others they go with a list they know exactly what they're looking for. And that's what the wise men were like, weren't they? Did you see that in verse 2? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews, they ask? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They have come looking for the best present ever. Jesus, our king from heaven. We're not quite sure why they knew to go looking for him. Uh, but we are told that he came from the east, uh, probably from olden day Babylon. Uh, and so it could be that they learned of the prophecies of God's coming king uh, that were in the Old Testament from his Old Testament people when they were in Babylon, um, kept captive in exile. But one thing is sure. This birth was predicted hundreds and hundreds of years before. This miraculous star which the wise men followed was a star promised in the Old Testament books of Numbers and Isaiah. And when they come to Herod's palace and they knock on the door and ask for the Christ's whereabouts, we find the religious leaders, they don't have to ask Alexa or Google it. They don't even have to scurry down to the basement to check the archives. No, they know. In an instant, they wind back the clock to another prophecy in the first part of the Bible and they say, Bethlehem, God's promised king will be born in Bethlehem. Folks, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem is one of just over 60 specific predictions that are fulfilled by his birth, life, and death. Centuries before Jesus arrived, we read in the Old Testament that the king who will come will be born of a virgin from the tribe of Judah in Bethlehem. He'll heal the sick and raise the dead and be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. He'll be deserted by his disciples, pierced through hands and feet, but with no bones broken, and he will die. And three days later, he will rise again these things were written centuries before he arrived, and many more were written before he arrived so that we would recognize him when he did. 
And that's why the wise men trekked hundreds of miles across the desert to worship him because they recognized that this baby was no ordinary baby. It wasn't even any ordinary king. No, this was God himself coming to us as predicted. I don't know if you heard about the school nativity play in Barnsley that happened a few years ago where it was all going really swimmingly, teachers were really happy with it until it came to the turn of the wise men. And the first one, he, he got the nod from across the stage to march on and, and so he marches on. I have gold for the king. Brilliant, well done, excellent. And then, then the second one gets the, gets the nod. I have frankincense for the king. Great. And then the third one makes his entrance and then he sees all these people there. And he's, 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 he's like, oh, wow. And his mum and dad are there too. Hello, mum. Hello, dad. And he gets distracted and, and, and he totally forgets his, his line. I mean, it's not a hard line to get out, is it? I have more for the king. But, but his mind goes a blank. And so as he looks down at the baby in the manger, he, he, he just panics and does what he's seen grown-ups do in this kind of situation lots of times before. And he goes, oh, doesn't he look like his dad? Now, folks, that is terrible nativity. But it's not bad theology. <laughs> because the baby in the manger that first Christmas was just like his dad. Jesus Christ is God. Just as God the Father is. He is our Savior King. God born to us in human skin. And that is why the wise men come to worship him. But that is also why Herod wants to murder him. Sure, he makes out all sweetness and light at first as he sends the wise men on their way to Bethlehem in verse 8 saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I uh, may come and worship him too. But we all know that's a load of nonsense. As Herod has no intention of surrendering his life to Jesus. And so he issues orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. Because as far as Herod is concerned, he's in charge. He's the king. And he, he will not surrender his crown to no one, not even God. Now I'm assuming that none of us here will go to quite the same extremes as Herod. And yet when Jesus grows up and starts teaching as a man, he insists very much that this kind of attitude lies in our hearts too. Most of us like to think like that. We do think like that, don't we? I'm, it's my life. It's my life, so I'm in charge. And that manifests itself in, in, in lots of little ways, doesn't it? Like the way that we bristle when someone else tells us what to do, no matter how good the advice is. Or like the way that we shout at other people from our little metal box when they're in their little metal box and they get in our way on the roads. Or, it, or perhaps it manifests itself in the way that we, well, that we men don't like to follow instruction manuals. I mean, what are they in there for anyway? Is it just for decoration? I, I don't know. But this attitude, it also shows in the way that we react to the reality of God. 
as like Herod, many of us feel threatened by Jesus and we will do anything to get rid of him from our family life or our public life. He saw Jesus as his rival who, who would only ruin his life and he didn't stop. This is the sad thing, I think. He didn't stop to think for a minute what this baby might grow up to be able to do for him. Oh, folks, our hearts need to be led, don't they? We're not nearly as wise as we think we are. And if this year has taught us one thing, we're not even in control of our own destiny. Oh, how we need a king to lead and comfort and guide and rescue us and, and to bring us hope, like the hope that Dave spoke of there in the testimony. And that is just what God has provided for us in Jesus. Yet sadly, I find so many people today who, who like Herod, they reject Jesus without even discovering for themselves just how wonderful he truly is. I don't know if you remember Jason Robinson, the England uh, winger who uh, scored a try when England won the Rugby World Cup back in 2003. He was nicknamed Billy Whiz because of his blistering pace. But his early promise as a professional sportsman was blighted by his catastrophic personal life. And yet he met a Christian in one of the rugby clubs he played for, and that guy introduced him to Jesus, and he became a Christian himself. And he found that Jesus helped him to change. So he was able to say this in his uh, biography, Finding My Feet. He said, people think that when you become a Christian that your life is bound. You can't do this and you can't do that. But I'm more free now than I was before. I can say yes or no. Before, I couldn't say no. That is a freedom that only those who come to know Jesus for themselves can experience. And though Herod couldn't see it, the wise men could. And so they followed the star right to the end of the line till in verse nine, it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now it's been, sometimes been said that these wise men, or, or magi as they're sometimes known, were clearly men. That's what the scholars uh, believe about them, that they were definitely men, because otherwise they probably would have stopped to ask for directions sooner. Um, and uh, they probably would have turned up on time. And they probably would have brought some more useful gifts, like baby grows or nappies or maybe lasagna for the couple to help them out in those first few difficult days of parenthood. Uh, and while, I'm sorry, that's really old school humor, the first readers of this account of Jesus' birth, they would have found it no laughing matter at all to see these fellas show up at the birth of the Messiah. Because for Herod, for the Jews, for Mary and Joseph, these guys were total outsiders. They were foreigners who were into all kinds of weird and wacky things like sorcery and astrology and, and paganism. They were outsiders in almost every way. 
And that is why Matthew includes them in his account of Jesus' birth. Because Jesus isn't a king who's just come for the Jews. He isn't a king who's just come for religious people. No, he is the universal king who has come for all people everywhere. So whatever your ethnic background, whatever your religious background, whatever your sexual background, or your class background, whether you're rich or poor, he has come for you. He is a king who is for all people. Which is why these strange travelers are welcomed round the manger that was the humble throne of Jesus Christ. And despite the inauspicious surroundings, everything they do expresses his majesty. As in verse 11, they, they fell down and worshipped him and offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the third of those gifts that you wouldn't normally take to the hospital with you, would you, uh, to, uh, to give um, to, uh, uh, to celebrate a newborn baby. Or if you did, you'd probably get some strange looks on the maternity ward, wouldn't you? Not at least back in those days. As myrrh in those days was used for the embalming of dead bodies. <laughs> Just imagine you get a present like that this Christmas. I don't know if you noticed that the, the presents seem to kind of get bigger the younger you go down the age ranges, and yet higher up the age ranges you go, they seem to shrink in terms of size and quantity, I think. But just imagine this Christmas, you get the big one. What's that under the tree? You're the big one. Who's it for? It's for you. Golly, but it's six foot by two. She's all very exciting. So you tear off the wrapping paper and it's a coffin. What are you trying to say, (laughs) father-in-law? Nothing. Happy Christmas. But folks... That's what the wise men bring. They bring myrrh. And in doing so, they are acknowledging, however unconsciously, that this is the one who was born to die. That's why he's come. This baby would grow up and he would die on a cross so that they, you, me, could be forgiven by God for our rejection of him. This baby came down to us because God loves us so much, so passionately, so undeservedly, so recklessly, so generously that he gave himself to stand in our place and pay for our sins and rise again from death so that he could lead us as our king. And Christmas there for us is Will you worship him as king? And we see how this all ends in verse 12 for the wise men. They now listen to God and they travel by a different route. And I wonder if it might be time for some of us to respond by taking a different route from now on. Uh, Not being directed by those who feel threatened by Jesus or those who pretend to admire him but really would rather get rid of him. And instead, hear the voice of God and follow in the wise men's footsteps. 
for if he is as good and kind and generous as he appears to be, and, and if your journey might end just the way theirs did, with great joy, why would you not want to come and see what he has to offer you? Well, we're going to reflect on that as we listen to another carol now. And then after that, Ben is going to come and give us a few kind of suggestions on how we might make that journey, continue it, and find out more about what Jesus has to offer us. Let's listen to this carol now.